I think I've been trying to get to this message for about four weeks now, so maybe we'll actually get to it tonight. Amen. Then I say that, and I'm like, maybe we won't. I'm not sure. So anyway, <laughs> it's going to be good. I can tell you that. I can feel it. So amen. Let's turn to uh, James chapter 4 and verse 6. I hope that's the right verse. It would be good if it is. My wife caught my humor. <laughs> All right. He says, but he gives a greater grace. Praise God. Anybody with me? <laughs> he gives a grace that's greater than our troubles, right? Did he do that tonight? Yes. Yeah, he sure did. Went from being about 20 troubled people to about 20 freedom people, people in freedom. Why? Because grace is greater. You know, we talked about humility as uh, considering others higher than ourselves. We, all we did was simply put somebody else's troubles on a priority higher than ours, prayed for them, and all of a sudden grace enters in and brought freedom to the people. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's just God's word working, that's all. And um, I like how that happened too. That worked out pretty well. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, like that but it says therefore God is opposed to the proud and he gives grace to the humble and uh, what this verse shows us is just because grace is paid for through Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we reside in the place where it is mm -hmm. we can choose to reside in the place of grace or we can choose to reside in the place of opposition to God so we can either choose to be humble or we can choose to be in pride. Uh, pride, you know, God doesn't want to oppose people, which is why he gives us this verse. So it'll show you that when you get in this area of pride, you actually place yourself in opposition to God. So isn't it graceful and merciful that he shows us that? Because otherwise, we could be walking in opposition to God, counter to him constantly, and actually uh, live that place. We've got to put on humility. And when we put on that humility, we step into the area where grace is already freely provided for us, and that grace is greater than the trouble, greater than the problem. Yeah. That's grace's job, is to be greater than the problem. Let that sink in. That's grace's job, is to be greater than it. So when we move into grace, the trouble has no options but to be put down. So all we got to do is get into the place of grace. Well, it begins by accepting Jesus as your Lord. It begins uh, by you being humble and walking into the place where grace resides. This is where grace lives. Humility is where grace lives. We walk into the places where grace lives, the problems have no uh, choice but to leave yeah. and to become nothing because yeah. grace's job is to solve problems in our life. That's why God gave it to us was to solve problems. Yeah. It's also, uh, you know, it's part of, uh, you know, who he is and his character. He's a problem solver. He's a savior. It's who he is. You can't get away from that. You know, people want to say, well, don't just look at God as this or this or it's his nature. You're not getting away from anything. You're getting into who he really is, you know. 
Um, it's very important to realize that. So we've been in Philippians chapter 2, and I think we're going to finish our section there tonight. But let's, uh, we're going to look at the basically down to about verse 14. But before we do that, let's look at verse 9, Philippians 2, 9. And you can pull up the notes uh, on boomerangchurch.org slash notes. Um, and you can go and pull those and reference theirs. Lord, we just ask you right now, we just ask you that your word, that it would find a good place to be put in as seed and take root in our heart. Let our heart be fertile soil for your word. Yeah, Lord, let it not fall short. Let your seed not fall short because we've made choices to not esteem it, Lord, right now, we esteem your word. Let it fall into the uh, fertile soil of our heart and let it produce an everlasting fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So in verse 9, Philippians 2, 9, it says this, For this reason also God highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what we see in these verses is this. We see that uh, Jesus walked into a place where God the Father highly exalted him and there's some that's in this verse that's just for jesus but the word also says that in due time you will be exalted right that god will exalt you uh, there's the other verse that says that he will perfect strengthen and and exalt you right so he's god is looking not just to exalt jesus but he wants to exalt you because here's the reason it's in this verse that it shows why because when you are exalted for the reason of Jesus, the glory of God is what's produced in people. It says, they to the glory of God the Father. So when we start understanding that, we start realizing that humility and grace is something that the Lord wants us to get in, not just because he wants you exalted, not just because he wants you to have your problem solved, but also one of the major aspects of it is when you walk in a humility and walk in grace and the problem melts away and you are exalted, if you are pointing to heaven like you should be as the witness and ambassador of heaven, then God is going to get glory. And this is the problem when you start talking about, well, I just need to be humble and God knows about my problems and he'll take care of me. You know, I just trust him. He's sovereign. And all of a sudden, what you're doing is you're stripping the glory that was designed to go to the Father because of your lack of understanding of where God wants to take you. Yeah. It's humility that will say, God wants to exalt me. Yeah. That's, right. That's humility. Although you would probably hear it preached that, well, nobody's ever supposed to be exalted but God. That's true. But how he does that is through exalting you, you see. He's the one who's supposed to get 
all the glory. In other words, I was thinking about this verse. We talked about it earlier. But here's Jesus on the earth. Has anybody ever been in human form on this earth better than Jesus? Gooder than Jesus. And I say it that way for a reason. Anybody ever been gooder than Jesus? All right. And then they come up. Don't, don't be smirking at me. I got a point. <laughs> then this guy comes up to Jesus and says, Good master. And Jesus says, Whoop, whoop, whoop. Er, er, er. Time out. There's only one good. And that's the father. Now yeah. uh, here's Jesus who we know was good. But he understood that even above his goodness, his perfection, the point, of humanity is to give glory to the Father. That's an amazing thing that he did there. Because he could have said, well, I'm receiving glory on my Father's behalf. Yes, I am good. And he'd be right. He he would be correct in that, right? But that's not. He showed us an example. A good shepherd will lead by example, right? He's going to lead by example. So here's the good shepherd, and he says, look, hey, time out. There's only one good, and that's the Father. In other words, he gets the glory, right? Well, we have to recognize what God has done in us and whose we are. You know, you think about it like this. Think about a king, right? And um, Jesse, come here for just a second, please. And Nicole actually made reference to this. Keith Moore did a story a while back, and stand right here, and... um, Keith Moore did a story, and he said, you know, what if this is what Nicole was referencing on Sunday morning. What if you had heard, you lived in this land, and they had shepherds and everything, and you heard these stories like folk tales about the great shepherd, right? The great shepherd, and he's awesome, and it, he's magnificent, and it's like bedtime stories you tell, you know, and you encourage your kids by about this great shepherd, you know, and then one day you find out actually there is a great shepherd. It's not just a story. There really is one, and then all of a sudden you hear that this great shepherd is coming to your town. And everybody goes out on the street and is like, man, I want to see this good shepherd, right? I want to see this good shepherd. And so about that time, they see some dust coming, and and then over the hill comes this shepherd, and he is magnificent. This is Keith Moore's story. And uh, I don't want to take credit because it's an awesome example. And so he goes, and I mean, his robes are awesome. And it's like, you know, uh, in a movie, they're like flowing. It's like he's this great shepherd. And it's like this this picture. And you're like, this is just like the stories. It's even better than that. This, This is an awesome shepherd. He is so great. And then the next thing you see is coming over the hill is you see his flock. And they're all like, you know, limping. And because they got broke legs and they got the mange and they got everything else. And they're just, I mean, they're rough, right? And fleas. I mean, they're rough. All right, so what just happened to your opinion of the great shepherd? Not so great, right? All of a sudden, all you're looking at is looking at all these broke sheep. What kind of testimony is that? Now, in this situation, though, in this story, is it up to the sheep to believe God for what he has provided for them? So whose responsibility 
is the testimony? The shepherd or the sheep? All right. See, we're already getting off our notes, and I'm like, are we actually going to get through Philippians 2? I'm not so sure now. But here's the thing. Think about a kingdom with a king, right? And a kingdom, uh, in, in that kingdom, if that king has children and he sends them out, does he send them out looking like paupers? Paupers? What, how you say it? Paupers. What? <laughs> like po people. <laughs> po people, that worked. Would he send them out looking like that? No. What's he going to do? Man, he's going to put the, the ring on his finger. He's going to put priestly and kingly robes on him. He's going to give him something that shows that this is a child of the king. Yeah. How can we understand that? Serve the almighty God and not understand that he is going to exalt you. And it's not going to show that this guy is just a son of the king. It's the king that makes him magnificent. It's the king and his rulership and his authority. But when people see him, they'll give glory to the kingdom and to the king because this is a representation. But this is also 100% his, the way that he's dressed and adorned. And, and the authority that's been given to him. I mean, do you imagine that that prince would, would have people like talking back to him? Not for long, right? And yet we'll let the devil talk back to us and give us trouble and we just don't say anything. That's what we were talking about earlier this evening. We've got to talk back to that. <laughs> no. Do you, know who we, do you know who you're talking to? Yeah. <laughs> do you know? I really didn't have this much funniness in this message. I was trying to be all serious. but So here's the thing. He's sent out. He's a representative. And if he's doing his right job as a child of the king, he always gives glory back to the king. And the responsibility to do that falls on the child's shoulders. But there's none of us that would say, I'm a king and I'm going to send out my child looking like junk. All of us would say, no, nah, you're not wearing that. Yeah. No, you're not, you're, not, you're not going out of the house looking like that. It's not who you are. Do you know who you are? Yeah. And yet the Lord does allow us to make that decision, and we choose to either walk in it or not. But ultimately what happens is humility is going to say, what would you think about the prince? What would you think about the prince that stepped out there, and they're like, I'm not wearing this garbage let me put on some some clothes with some holes in it and everything else i'm not going to do that we would be like have you lost him are you stupid <laughs> i mean wouldn't we say like really i mean use what you got don't don't throw it away you know this is ridiculous are you dumb that's what we would think about that person and yet we as Christians have been given everything in Christ Jesus, including the desire of him to exalt us so that God can get the glory. And we somehow have twisted that and pushed it off and said, I'll just be a poor old broken sheep. And then all of a sudden, how's, what's the view of the shepherd? It's not good. Thank you. So 
This is, in, in verse 9, it says, For this reason also God highly exalted him, talking about Jesus. But what he's showing here is, what's the example in all of Philippians that he's talking about? He's talking about humility and what it produces. So he's not just showing that Jesus is the only one that can receive that exaltation. He's not just showing that. He's showing that Jesus was our chief example of how to get in humility so I can exalt you so that God can be glorified. But we don't just get here just by reading the verse and pulling that out of context and say, God wants to exalt me. Oh, look at me. That's not... That's not how we get there. You can't just jump on this verse and say, God wants to exalt me. No, that we got to this verse through a series of other verses. So let's read those. Because who wants to be exalted by God? I do. And if you didn't before, you should want to be exalted, if for nothing else, to give God the glory of it. That's humility. Let's... Let me just let me be very real with you. Um, when we first started the church, and we're here in this town that's not huge, you know, a lot of people know everybody else, and if they don't know them, they're related to them. So it's just, <laughs> it's it's a big it's it's huge town, right? No, it's not. It's, it's decently small, and we're we have this startup church, and we don't know anybody, and we're not connected to anybody, and all this stuff, and. And for the first couple of years, it was like, Boomer who? You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who's Boomerang? We don't, we don't know. Oh, I think I might have heard something about that, but very few people. But then after a couple of years, and, and I was the one who had problem with the, you know, like with people at, at one point, right? I like, I didn't want to be involved with people. Wrong profession. <laughs> wrong profession or wrong thinking, one or the other. So that was, and so, but here we go about two years into it, you know, and the Lord got on to me about not wanting to be with people. He said, look, Jesus was all about people, and you are a chip off of that block. In Isaiah uh, 51, I think it is, you are cut and chiseled out of that. Jesus was all about people. He's like, you need to change your thinking, Brian. I was like, okay, you got to help me, and he did. But that's still where I was kind of coming from, and then we start the church. We're a couple of years into it, and then all of a sudden, and it was weird. It was almost like a light switch, and it was weird. All of a sudden, Nicole and I had people all over town that had seen us ministering here or heard about us or saw a clip or something like that, and they'd be like, hey, pastor, how you doing? Who are you? You ain't never been in my church. I don't, you know, who are you? I don't know. It's like, Pastor, I'm like, I better clean up my act as well. You know, I better make sure I'm, I'm doing things right. I, rem- I remember the first time, you know, I went and did that service at Stanley Funeral. Then we were at the school, and Stephen came back by me. This was before he started coming here. And uh, Stephen passed me, and he goes, he goes, hey, Pastor, how you doing? I'm like, Man, he remembered that I was a pastor. Like that was at that point, it was still new. And and here's what I'm getting to. All of a sudden, there was like people all over the place. I had one guy, John, um, and uh, huh? No, not John. Bent. Um, uh, John. <laughs> he always makes a funny story, though. I like to see people laugh just by, "Hey, John, we love you. Praying for you, ain't it?" And uh, so. Uh, 
John, uh, what's the, his last name is evading me right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's John's, you know John. Um, he, he does the most awesome job I've ever had done on our yard. Lanier, John Lanier, thank you. I was thinking L, but I couldn't think of the, of the moment. So here it is. John Lanier, right? And does anybody know John Lanier? Okay. So John Lanier, uh, he's, he's like a pretty muscular guy, right? And uh, I'm taller than he is, but he's pretty, he's got some muscles on him. He's, he's thick, thick chested. And um, he's like, you know, anyway. So I had ministered at a church and he was there, but I didn't know it. And, um, I was in tractor supply, and um, come here, Roger, real quick. And I was looking, I, we were looking at the baby chicks at tractor supply, right? And uh, there was this guy standing over here, and he had on a hat and a beard, and I could barely see his eyes, like full, full face beard and down to here, and like and thick and burly, and... Uh, he like, I saw him look at me a couple of times, you know, and I was like, who is this guy? And uh, so uh, we were looking at the chicks, and he like made it, this is me standing here, and he like made his way over here. And so I was sitting here, and I was going, dude, I don't know who you are. You, you might have heard me somewhere, and you didn't like what I said, you know. And I was like, and I was like, out of the corner of my eye, I was like watching him, you know, like, and uh, that old, that old, uh, you know, that Marine part of me was rising up real quick, and uh, I was like, and, he, and then about that time, he goes, are you Pastor Brian? And I was like, and my thought was, I don't know. Am I? You know, that was my thought. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> it depends on what you say next, whether or not I am or not. And uh, I said, and now, then the Holy Spirit was like, Yes, you are. <laughs> like, if you'd be lying if you said no, you know, or hesitate. And uh, so, thank you. And uh, so, anyway, he uh, he said, "You, Pastor Brian," and I and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and I backed up at the same time I answered him, you know. And I was like, "Ha!" <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, ready to go. And uh, he said. Man, you preached the other day at, at, at this church, and it did. It was just awesome. And I was like, oh, praise God. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. So good to see you. What's your name? And, uh, and you know, that was, but here's what was happening was people were starting to recognize us in town, and it was weird. Like, I'm still not used to it. That was four years ago. I'm still not used to that. Like that public personality type thing, I'm not used to that. It's, it's weird to me still to this day. It's strange. I've always been small town person, don't want to be bothered. Sit me in a booth in the corners where I can watch everybody, but nobody sees me. That's, that was me. And so now the Lord is highlighting yeah. me to people, yeah. right? And it started several years ago in a small town where everybody knows everybody anyway. And I'll be honest, my feelings were, no, I don't like that. Mm -mm. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, we had conversations about somebody came up. They don't have a clue who they are. 
I don't know. And then, you know, somebody will say, hey, Pastor Brian and Nicole, hey, Abigail, Rachel, Luke, and, and we'll go, hey, how are you? And they'll walk away, and, and Nicole and I'll go, you know who that is? And she'll say, uh-uh. I said, I don't either. I don't have a clue who that is. They know us, apparently. Now, here's the thing. In false humility, we could fight against that. But what's actually happening there? God is exalting a voice so that at the right time, we will have a voice, if we're speaking God, into their lives. He's testifying. He's raising up a testimony about us in the hearts of people, in the lives of people, so that when they need to hear a word, that word will be spoken and, they'll, and God will be able to help that person. Now, if we were in false humility, we'd be like, no, no, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And it is about Jesus, but there's a big difference with your heart on how you do that stuff. You say, thank you. And if we were in false humility, we would even say things like, like you, know, you know, hide from people, right? I don't want to say, no, just, let me just hide from people. But that would be taken away the ability for God to exalt his voice in a person for them so that God can get the glory. So not all exaltation is bad. Matter of fact, you remember uh, before Jesus, God exalted a voice in the wilderness. But he had to humble himself. And then there came a time when he said, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. And so humility is recognizing that when God exalts a voice that you move with it. But if, he, if there's a period of time, which this doesn't happen often, most of the time if he wants to exalt a voice, it's going to be for the rest of their life. It should be growing. But there are times and seasons of God. This is what humility is willing to do, though. Humility is willing to say, I'll decrease, though, if God needs me to. That, that happens to me in meetings. You know? I'm used to leading stuff. All right, like I'm used to that, and I've always been that kind of person. Like I come into a group and no leader rises up, like back out of the way. We'll, we'll get this thing done, right? That's always been who I am. It's who my dad was. But then I'll come into meetings and I'm used to leading things, and I'm beginning to actually know a little bit about it, a little bit. And I walk in and and people will be doing something, and I don't. I disagree. I wouldn't do it that way. And, uh, and, but instead of taking over that, I decrease. Yep. Yep. So it doesn't matter who you are. Yep. Who is God exalting in this moment? That's what hum- See, humility is really just doing this. Lord, what do you want to do right now? And I'll do it. Do you want to you know, let people know who we are? Okay, fine. I don't necessarily like that. But if that's what you want to do, then fine. It's fine. Do you want me to not be seen in this group or gathering? Then fine. Whatever you want to do, I'm good with. From everything that I do understand to everything that I don't understand, I just need to hear from you, and I'll be good with it. That's where... Grace 
that's greater can be poured out. That's where grace can rise up and conquer your problems and the problems of the people around you. Some of the anointing that we're walking in now. It's, have you noticed ever since we did that Wednesday night, there was a new day at Boomerang? Have you noticed since we did that? Man, the anointing has yeah. been just moving up, yeah. right? Well, why is that? Because we humbled ourselves to trust God to t literally take us through a two-year period of time that didn't feel good. And during that period of time, you know, uh, how many, how many people have been here for the last two years and during that period of time you thought at least once, if not a hundred, what's going on? Like, is everything okay? How many people thought that during that two-year period of time? I'm not sure this is good. I thought it lots of times. It made me question, what are we doing? And yet, what we were doing was simply seeking the Lord to be obedient to him and, and humble ourselves to him so that he could get us to this place where the things start to work. <clears throat> but it takes humility to say, hey, I know where God's placed me, and I will stand, and Lord, do what you got to do. That sounds real good when you're praying it. It's a whole other thing when you're actually walking through it. You know? When I want to pull my hair out and scream and yell and fuss and, and give up and all that stuff, Lord, do what you want to do is not what I wanted to say. Is it? But yet, that's where the power is. That's where the grace is. We have people right now that are experience free, experiencing freedom in new ways and lives completely turned around and changed because we were willing to humble ourselves to God's plans. What if all of us started humbling ourselves in that kind of way? What could be possible? Ooh. Only heaven could see the fullness of it. Man, what a statement. Yes. Only heaven could see the fullness of what God could do if all of us in this body truly sought his will in humility. Amen. Yeah, amen. That's what happened when the disciples sought Jesus. They humbled themselves to follow him, to let him lead them. And it changed the world. Jesus was gone. The disciples were there. And it changed the world. We got more than 12 sitting here. You know, some people would look and say, this is small. Give me, you know, 30 people that will humble themselves to follow God and be obedient to it. <laughs> the devil would have his hands full. And it wouldn't just be an album. It would spread like crazy. Yeah. The power of a group that would be in unity to humble themselves to God. Amen. Much more your homes, your workplaces, your lives. Lord, we just ask right now. Lord, help us to see your humility.
Help us to see your exaltation. Help us, Lord, to make decisions that will bring you the fullness of the glory that is due you. Lord, we just ask for your eyes of understanding to see what's right and what's wrong and to be empowered to move in what you have for us. <clears throat> Lord, help us to see your path and to choose your path. Help us to see areas where we've been in pride and didn't know it. But now humility wants to rise up because your heart is to move us into greater grace. Help us to see those areas. Lord, highlight those areas. And yes, Lord, that means that we're going to come out of our comfort zones. Our comfort zones are going to be revealed. The darkness of the comfort is going to have a light shined on it. We understand that, but we desire the things and your glory to be done more than we desire to hang in our comfort zone. Lord, we just praise you. We worship you. I just invite you right now to just, just kind of break yourself off in, in your prayer to the Lord. And, and you just tell him what you need to tell him. Like maybe right now he's asking you to say some things to him or maybe just shut up and hear from him. But right now you just seek God. Lord, here's my humility right now. What do you want me to do? You want me to pray to you? You want me to listen? You want me to worship? You want me to dance? What do you want me to do right now? And I just... I trust you enough to say, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let's just play a little bit of music lightly.
give you glory and we humble ourselves to you lord let us live lives of humility let us live lives of humility a life that's given to humility not just a life that desires humility but a life that's given to it this is who you are it's your command 
It is you. It is godliness. Lord, let us live a life that's given to it, that makes choices because of it, that has a mind that's set to it, a life that's given to humility. Lord, because there is a world that needs your grace and greater grace. There's a world that needs to see you glorified. We praise you and we love you and we humble ourselves to you that even the things that we have thought that are right in the past, Lord, we give ourselves to you in humility to even say, Lord, we're willing to be corrected. We're willing to see the change. We're willing to grow and we're even willing to be wrong so that we can be right with you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a great night.